Hello and welcome to a lecture for the 16th Annual Kosciuszko Chair Conference and the 4th Oscar Halitsky Symposium. This year's virtual conference and speakers will focus on the topic of the Intermarium and Trimarium, Concepts and New Realities. Today's joint virtual symposium is organized by the Institute of World Politics and the Oscar Halitsky Institute in commemoration of the 50th anniversary of the passing away of Professor Oscar Halitsky. For those who are new, IWP is a graduate school of national security, intelligence, and international affairs. We offer a doctoral program, seven master's degree programs, including two online MAs and 18 certificates of graduate studies. For those who are interested in learning more about us, please visit us at iwp.edu. On behalf of IWP, I'd like to thank all of our supporters who make IWP events possible. Today, we'll be hearing from Professor Andrzej Novak. Andrzej Novak is a Polish historian, publicist, and professor of humanities. He is a professor at the Institute of History at the Jagiellonian University and is the head of the History of Russia and Eastern Europe section at the Institute of History at the Polish Academy of Sciences. Professor Novak lectured as a visiting professor at several universities in the United States, including Columbia University, Harvard University, Rice University, and the University of Virginia, as well as in Great Britain at the University of Cambridge and the University College of London. Professor Novak has also been a visiting professor in Canada at the University of Toronto, Simon Fraser University, McGill University, and the University of Alberta, as well as the University College of Dublin, University of Masaryk in Brno, Collegium Civitas in Warsaw, European College in Natalie, and the University of Tokyo. His main research interests include cultural and political history and political thought in Eastern and Central Europe in the 19th and 20th centuries, international relations, and policies on European historical memory. He is considered one of the top Polish experts on past and present Polish-Russian relations. Professor Novak is the author of more than 30 books and some 200 historical articles, studies, reviews, and interviews. He is a member of the European Network of Remembrance and Solidarity Academic Council, as well as the Institute of National Remembrance Council and the National Development Council nominated by the President of Poland. Please welcome Professor Andrzej Novak. Good morning. Uh, I would like to thank you for this great honor of uh, being invited to this special occasion of being with you, uh, with the Institute of Professor Halecki, uh, connecting this particular occasion with uh, yet another anniversary of our independence. And uh, what makes this honor even more challenging, so to speak, is the fact that independence is again at stake in our history. That's why uh, uh, these recollections of Professor Halecki concepts uh, dealing with, uh, with uh, the idea of independence, not just of Poland, but of the whole region of East Central Europe, as he called it, are uh, again, uh, so to speak, very, uh, very actual, very important to understand and to be rethought. Uh, I intend to present very briefly 
the way which uh, the Oskar Halecki took to present his, to develop his idea of, uh, of uh, Poland, uh, Poland's place in uh, European history, not just Poland, but the whole region, uh, exactly the region that he called is Central Europe. Uh, if we want to understand uh, uh, a bit better uh, the moment when uh, Oskar Halecki uh, conceptualized uh, that uh, idea of East Central Europe, one has to start from two very basic, very, I would say, banal notions. First, Oskar Halecki uh, was a historian, and the second, Oskar Halecki belonged to a generation that could call uh, himself or itself, sorry, uh, the happiest generation in Polish history, the generation of those who not only fought for independence after more than one century of partitions, but regained that independence and was happy organizing that independence after 1918. These two elements uh, which I uh, start to uh, describe very briefly, uh, goes right to the concept of East Central Europe. First, it is historical concept based on understanding of history. Second element is connected with uh, something that we could call a bit more optimistic vision of this particular Polish experience, East Central European uh, experience with history, uh, at least uh, such a perspective in which element of hope is visible and strong against all odds. Uh, I'm uh, stressing that particular element of uh, optimism because we have to remind that Oskar Halecki, together with his generation of uh, his colleagues historians, such as Władysław Konopczyński or um, lawyer uh, Witold Kamieniecki, uh, or a little bit older Szymon Askenazy, uh, all they shared this more optimistic vision uh, exactly stemming from the experience of successful fight for independence of Poland, regaining that independence, and in opposition to the experience of the previous generation known as so-called Kraków School of Historians that lived and organized its imagination uh, in the shadow of the great debacle, debacle of the January uprising, and uh, losing actually hope for regaining independence for Poland. Uh, so this new generation, as represented by Oskar Halecki, uh, experiencing uh, the rebirth of Poland, 1918, wanted also to uh, see uh, that particular region uh, where Poland regained its place uh, in the broader context of European history and to uh, regain, so to speak, the place of that particular region and of Poland in particular in uh, European historical imagination, as opposed to this tradition from 18th to 19th century, where there was no East Central Europe, only three uh, aggressive empires dividing these uh, territories, 
Habsburg uh, monarchy, uh, Russian uh, Muscovite empire, uh, then uh, St. Petersburg empire, and uh, Hohenzollern uh, Prussia, then Second Reich. Uh, these three uh, empires uh, disappeared uh, by 1918, but uh, tradition of thinking about Europe as predominantly Western Europe and without East Central European countries as being traditionally in these two centuries under the, the uh, so to speak, control of these three Eastern European empires uh, was something to be tackled with, to be uh, changed, to be uh, somehow reconceptualized. And uh, Halecki uh, had to deal not just with these uh, layers of uh, stereotypes, layers of historical experiences that, uh, that uh, so to speak, uh, formed uh, a vision of East Central Europe as, uh, as non-existing, as uh, belonging exclusively to a group of empires or to one dominant empire, be it Russian or German. Another aspect of forming this idea of East Central Europe was connected with the real danger of uh, uh, renewed imperialism, be it from the East in the Soviet Russian new version or renewed version, and uh, on the West uh, from uh, German uh, post-Versailles revisionism, uh, which, uh, which would be realized in the most nightmarish, so to speak, form of uh, of Hitler's uh, of Hitler's ideas uh, realized uh, in 1939. So, in order to answer these these dangers and these uh, traditions of forgetting about uh, the region where Poland uh, found itself again on the map, uh, Halecki. Uh, united, so to speak, in his thinking, elements of geopolitical calculation and uh, cultural, civilizational interpretation of European history. If we uh, could find someone who could be uh, who could be revealed here as a hidden uh, forerunner of Halecki's ideas, very important ideas for our contemporary days. It should be no other person but uh, Halford Mackinder, uh, the uh, godfather, so to speak, uh, of uh, Anglo-Saxon geopolitical thinking. This geographer from London uh, wrote uh, and published in 1919 uh, a very interesting book now uh, finding again uh, a fame in, in, in the beginning of the 21st century. Uh, the book was titled Democratic Ideals and Reality. In that book, not only uh, Mackinder coined that idea that uh, whoever rules Eastern Europe rules the heartland and whoever rules the heartland uh, rules the world island that is Africa, Asia and Europe and whoever rules uh, the world island rules uh, the world. Uh, 
So this particular geopolitical equation, uh, stressing the importance of Eastern Europe, was uh, connected with a much more particular vision of the importance of the group of countries regaining independence after 1918, uh, which uh, was called by uh, Mackinder the middle tier, the middle tier of states stretching from Estonia, Latvia, through Poland and Czechoslovakia as two key elements of this system, all the way down or rather south through Hungary, Romania, Yugoslavia to Greece. And Mackinder stressed geopolitical importance of backing, strengthening uh, these group of uh, countries, their independence by Anglo-Saxon powers, that is uh, the Great Britain and uh, the United States. Without that uh, help, without that strengthening, without understanding of their importance, of that region importance, uh, the whole Versailles system would fall into crumbles because uh, Germany and Russia, uh, now Soviet Russia, would uh, do whatever they were able to do to regain their preponderance over this uh, key geopolitical region. This was a kind of, um, I would say, appeal issued by Mackinder in his uh, brilliant but soon forgotten book from 1919. As I stated, it would be re-read uh, and, uh, and uh, re-actualized only after World War II and again uh, in Putin's era uh, with the newly realized danger of uh, Russian imperialism in contemporary Europe. So, uh, I mentioned that particular geopolitical voice of Mackinder because it forms something like a, a counterpoint to what uh, Halecki developed in a series of his um, works, studies and lectures uh, uh, in which he tried to imbue uh, historical imagination of Western academia with that vision that was geopolitically uh, expressed by Mackinder, by uh, Halecki, that vision was based on historical, cultural, civilizational grounds. Uh, of course, when we deal with this uh, very short uh, overview of Halecki's ideas, uh, going straight to the concept of East Central Europe, we have to uh, stress uh, two other elements, very basic elements from his biography. He was, uh, uh, he, he studied history in Jagiellonian University, and that very name, Jagiellonian, is very important. Traditions of Jagiellonian Union of uh, uh, East Central European countries, from Poland through Lithuania to uh, Ruthenian lands, uh, now Belarus and Ukraine, and then even covering south, uh, southern territories of the, for, not former at that time, existing Hungarian Kingdom and Czech Kingdom. So that particular Jagiellonian tradition was something very important for upbringing of Halecki. Uh, no less important was, of course, his, uh, his uh, individual, so to speak, uh, family history, the fact that he was son 
of uh, Austrian Habsburg uh, Lieutenant Field Marshal, but at the same time, uh, fervent patriot of Polish traditions, uh, uh, General Halecki, and uh, Croatian aristocratic lady, uh, uh, Madame uh, de Mademoiselle de Limancic. Uh, so that union of, I would say, Southern European direction from Vienna, when, uh, where Halecki was born, uh, uh, through Horva Croatia, uh, to, uh, to Kraków, the central point on this map of East Central Europe with Jagiellonian University, to Vilnius, to Warsaw and Vilnius, uh, uh, two important university centers, uh, both in all the traditions of East Central Europe and especially in the, the Second Republic. All this created something like a frame for, uh, for Halecki's thinking. But the arena for expressing this thinking was uh, first and foremost books, articles, lectures given to international uh, academic circles. Uh, so the first important book, and I will not uh, enumerate all these books, they were so many, uh, but the first should be mentioned is simply History of Polish-Lithuanian Union, two volume. Uh, written exactly in this uh, hot time of uh, the renewed effort by Joseph Piłsudski to recreate that union. Uh, that idea was not realized by Piłsudski. Nevertheless, in 1918-1919, uh, that idea of rejuvenation of Polish-Lithuanian Union, recreating the greatness of that union, was something that, uh, that um, so to speak, uh, mobilized intellectual and emotional resources of uh, young, uh, not only politicians, but also scholars like uh, Halecki. Uh, however, the first time when he expressed uh, the idea going to the concept of East Central Europe was uh, uh, International Congress of Historical uh, science that is uh, in Brussels in 1923, where Halecki uh, presented uh, his, uh, his lecture called L'histoire de l'Europe orientale, sa division en époque, son milieu géographique et ses problèmes fondamentaux. That is uh, uh, simply the concept in which he presented history of Eastern Europe as an important counterpart to Western Europe, which was identified with Europe as such. Halecki presented or reminded to his colleagues from France, from the Netherlands, from uh, Belgium, from Italy, from Germany, and from other countries of Western Europe, that Western Europe is not all Europe, that uh, the moment when uh, newly created political communities of uh, medieval Poland, uh, medieval uh, Kievian Rus, uh, uh, were baptized, were Christianized in the end of the 10th century, changed completely the scale, the scope of European civilization. It moved eastward. And from that moment, that is from the end of the 10th century, 
Europe is not confined to Carolingian Charles the Great uh, frontiers of Europe comprising only Germany, France, uh, uh, Italy, Northern Italy, and maybe England, but also covers that particular part of Europe that was called uh, usually Eastern Europe. Uh, and uh, Halecki developed that, that, so to speak, appeal not to forget about our, so to speak, part of Europe. In the next Congress of Historians in Oslo in 1928, where he stressed something important that uh, this region, that is Eastern Europe, uh, developed uh, to a higher degree even than, uh, than um, most of Western European countries. And this specific threat that was so close to both studies of Halecki and to his um, vision of the future of Europe as such was federation principle that in order to solve conflicts between nations, divisions between religions, uh, one needs to use exactly that federation principle that for Halecki was represented the best in the Jagiellonian idea, idea that was realized uh, in the Union of Poland and Lithuania from Krewo Union 1385, marriage of Jogaila, Grand Duke of Lithuania with a Polish King Queen. Uh, she was titled King, actually, Jadwiga uh, Danjou, uh, all the way to uh, 16th century and this broader concept of uh, Union Federation under Jagiellonian scepter. Uh, that particular idea. Uh, that uh, Halecki presented uh, very effectively, very, uh, very, so to speak, rhetorically uh, uh, effectively uh, in these two congresses in Brussels and in Oslo were uh, accompanied by uh, efforts of his colleagues, uh, such as Marcelli Handelsmann from Warsaw University, who presented uh, also the idea of importance to introduce to Europe the Slavonic-Lithuanian world alongside to the Latin-Germanic one. Uh, that uh, particular vision uh, Handelsmann presented also at Brussels Congress. But another important element was added by uh, law historian Stanisław Kutrzeba, uh, from uh, Kraków, who presented in Brussels Congress the importance and the longevity of parliamentary traditions uh, in our part of Europe, longer uh, sometimes and even more consequent than in Western Europe, soon dominated by uh, monarchical absolutism. So these elements uh, so to speak, linked the idea of Eastern Europe not only with the appeal not to forget that these countries belong uh, from the 10th century to a common adventure of European culture, but also uh, in Halecki and his colleagues' interpretation, that particular part of Europe uh, added something important or, uh, uh, so to speak, revealed 
to an uh, interesting degree something important from European traditions, that is the concept of union, federation, and concepts of republican parliamentarianism. The civilization, so to speak, of freedom uh, is something that, uh, that Halecki wanted to stress as an element uh, important in the definition of East Central Europe. However, he was countered in the next Congress of historians uh, that happened to be organized in Warsaw in 1933, the fateful year of Hitler's coming to power. Halecki was countered uh, by a Czech historian, Jaroslav Bidlo, who wanted to stress that if one considers Eastern Europe, uh, this part of Europe, in comparison with the West, one has to use the concept of religion. That is Eastern Orthodoxy, Byzantine tradition. It is the only defining element of Eastern Europe. And that particular vision was something completely alien to Halecki. This is important to stress that controversy between Bidlo and him, because concept of uh, Halecki, the concept of East Central Europe, is exactly the concept of overcoming divisions between religions, between denomination, Eastern Orthodox and uh, uh, Roman Catholic, or further Protestant, and uh, organizing uh, a system of tolerant, uh, unifying uh, civilization of different denominations, of different peoples, of different origins, not only Slavic, not only Eastern Orthodox, that particular element was exactly present in uh, Halecki's stress on federation, on union, on parliamentarianism, as experiences uh, strongly revealed in uh, medieval and early modern history of Eastern Europe. But then comes, of course, the moment when Eastern Europe is dominated by aggressive empires uh, from 17th, 16th centuries, uh, from the Ottoman Empire, uh, Hungarian Kingdom disappears, uh, then Austrian Empire takes over part of Hungarian Kingdom and all of Czech Kingdom, and uh, foremost uh, importance is given to Moscow, uh, imperialism developing from 16th century and overtaking Eastern Europe in um, uh, from the second uh, half of 17th century. And this is exactly that leads to the situation in which Halecki and his country found themselves from 1939, the moment when Poland was once again erased from the map by the aggression of two uh, extremely totalitarian regimes, uh, Stalin's Soviet Union and Hitler's uh, Germany. And uh, Halecki, uh, founding itself in New York, uh, in uh, new emigration, so to speak, uh, started, so to speak, a series of um, articles, uh, presentations, in which he uh, presented the idea of East Central Europe in a new uh, light, so to speak, not only of these older traditions that make this region an important part of European experience, political experience with Union, Federation, parliamentarianism, but also 
and now maybe even uh, in the first place, the experience of foreign aggression, uh, imperial aggression against which countries of this region, just like in Mackinder vision, uh, try to oppose, try to organize themselves to fight against, against this imperialism, stemming usually from Russia or from Germany. And now uh, to the end, I want to uh, quote a few passages from, uh, from these little-known articles uh, of Halecki, instead of presenting his very well-known and uh, frequently reiterated uh, main book, The Limits and Divisions of European History, the main book in which he presented in 1950 his idea of East Central Europe, and then uh, continued in his next book from 1952. So, with these few uh, quotations from articles written during the war and right after the war, I want to end my presentation with uh, something like a summary given by Halecki himself, summary of his idea of East Central Europe. First, let me quote his article, The Problem of Self-Determinism, published in uh, Proceedings of the American Philosophical Society in August uh, 1943. This is exactly after death of a tragic death of uh, General Sikorsky after uh, the revelation of Katyn massacre and cynical game of Stalin using that uh, crime, his own crime, to, um, to so to speak, uh, cut a Polish legal government from a possibility of regaining effective power in Poland after the war. So in that particular moment, uh, Halecki offers this particular wisdom. I will quote, There is a famous passage in Tukitidis, who in order to show the importance of the Peloponnesian War, which is of course comp compared to World War II, uh, which he so admirably described, emphasized that it was fought for the greatest things, freedom and from, from rule of others. Opposing those two ideas, the great Greek historian suggests an excellent definition of self-determinism. It is simply the principle of freedom from foreign rule. This is exactly what Halecki wanted to, strength, uh, to strengthen, to stress. This is what World War II is about. When the last of these empires of antiquity, the Roman one, was transferred to the Germans and became the medieval Roman Empire of the German nation, the resistance of almost all other European countries against its claims of supremacy was already much more akin to what we now call self-determinism. So resistance against the temptation of introducing empire in Europe is something that stresses uh, that stresses uh, Halecki so vehemently in 1933. Uh, to go quickly to another article, uh, also from that time, uh, July 1943, Polish-Russian Relations, uh, published in the Review of Politics, July 1943. And in that particular article, uh, 
Halecki writes, Poland is deeply interested in good relations with her powerful eastern neighbor and would welcome a decisive change for the better in their mutual relations. But Poland did not reject the German claims for a revision of her western frontier, only to accept the Russian claims for half of her territory in the east. She did not oppose Nazism without producing any collaborators, merely to accept another form of totalitarianism. And she did not challenge the racial myth of pan-Germanism and the German pretensions to leadership on the European continent, merely Slavism under uh, Russian uh, leadership. So Halecki tries to stress that Poland's place is not to be either on Russian imperial side on or under German imperial side. Poland's goal and European goal after the war should be to get rid of that shadow of imperialism either from Germany or from Russia. It is important to stress it now when we are sometimes blackmailed that if we want to evade the shadow of Russian evident military imperialism, we should accept the new construct of Europe as an empire with Berlin as its capital. That was something that opposes so uh, strongly uh, Halecki uh, during World War II. And now, maybe the final, uh, maybe the pre-last uh, quotation from uh, his one of his most important and forgotten articles, The Historical Role of Central Eastern Europe, published in Annals of the American Academy of Political and Social Science in 1944. And in that particular article, he coins for the first time the concept of East Central Europe, and he expresses its meaning as follows. This expression, East Central Europe, is most frequently used in a sense which excludes both Germany, the largest country of Central Europe, and Russia, the largest country of Eastern Europe. It has thus become a convenient common name for the whole group of smaller countries between these two powers. Uh, united in opposition against German conquest, Central European uh, uh, part of Europe constitutes, uh, uh, sorry, uh, Central Eastern Europe has never been and probably never be so closely unified uh, as in this opposition against imperialism either from the West or from the East. It is composed of more than a dozen different nations. What these nations all have in common, in spite of a great variety of origin, but as a consequence of similar experiences, is an unlimited devotion to the ideal of freedom and independence. They want to be included into the Atlantic community, which is not a geographical expression, but a spiritual conception and both a product of world history and the main pillar of a better world order in the future." Unquote. This was the hope of Halecki, the hope with which he formulated the idea of East Central Europe, defended it to the last days of his life, and he would defend and define that particular experience and that particular need for our part of Europe 
in the year that we meet and we celebrate regained independence. Thank you.